Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Hey, Merritt's in house today. Merritt? Hey, I am in. What is the deal? The deal? Is it Monday? It Monday's is Monday. Here. It is a Monday. You're normally so busy we don't get to have you, and it normally causes me a ton of anxiety. Oh, that's not good. So today, I try to alleviate that. You're like my pacifier. You're my, what's the better word? Xanax. You're my Xanax. <laughs> The walking Xanax. <laughs> that sounds bad. Today on the show, we're talking about anxiety, anxious families. It's a big deal, you know. Um, life's hard anyway. Then you add a little bit of anxiety to life and imagine everything from going to school to just finishing your homework to getting a job to leaving school. Our own Bryce Lamar Tobin is looking at the last week. Is this your last week? This is my last week. And you reminded me and I just threw up in my mouth. Did you get scared? You're scared now. Uh, anxious. I think that's the better anxious word. Anxious is the better word. Why would you be afraid? This is a wonderful time of life. Says the person who did this years and years and years ago. Yes. I'm going to call Rosie Recollection on that. You're looking <laughs> back. I forgot yeah. all the bad stuff about it. Yeah. It's wonderful. My life well, has been better let since. Let me think. What did I do when I... Yeah. Because you may not have a job lined up. You may... I mean, I'm in the process of figuring Fall that out. into poverty. No, already there. Already definitely there. Okay. You may... I've, eat, I've eaten potatoes for the past four days. Have you really? Yes. Wow. And you know what? That's a lot you can, of carbs. You can do a lot of, with potatoes, all right? You're not talking French fries. Uh, no. Because that is the perfect potato. <laughs> that, that really is the peak of potatoes. That like like mashed potatoes apex. were really good. Yeah. I mean, the baked potato, mashed whatever. Mashed good. Yeah, I could handle mashed potatoes all day. But like when someone was like, oh, you know what I saw over the weekend? I saw what? someone got like a circular saw kind of thing. Like, I not. I guess a circular saw is an actual tool, not a descriptive. Anyway, <laughs> it would like this blade would pinch around a okay. uh, potato, and this guy stuck the potato on a stick and ran it through real fast, cut it into these little discs, spreads it out, deep fries the whole thing. I mean, potato technically, chips. technically, right, chips. Yeah. But it's like a freshly deep fried potato on a stick. Novelty out the wazoo. Wow. Um, what? Now, where did you see that? I just on the internet. I just Are you saw now? It. You're now googling potatoes. No, it's just someone was like, "Hey, check this out," and I clicked, and it wasn't something horrible. Which really, that was the win. Usually, like, "Hey, oh, check this out." Funny. It's like, "Oh, someone got into a car wreck. That's terrible. <laughs> that's sad." Maybe what you need is to be looking for a job instead of potatoes. Hey, uh, job boards get updated about every twenty minutes, yeah, so, so, look, that so that's means, in between. So you know, in between updating yeah. websites, I gotta uh, do stuff. One eight five five. What is it? Uh, chat BYU. Is that our? Yes. One eight five five. Chat BYU. If you have a job for our own Bryce Lamar Tobin, I will be anxiously. We have six lines that are open, so don't be shy. Six lines, <laughs> and he's also got a really great uh, potato on a stick um, opportunity. If anyone wants to start, look. That look, if you need someone to make grilled cheese sandwiches, I can that. change your life. Okay. Anxious. You're feeling anxiety. Yeah. A little anxiety about the future. Actually, a lot of a lot of uh, anxiety. Really? Yeah, yeah. But you're very talented. You've got great – you've got – you'll have a degree in psychology. Hold on. Somebody's actually calling. <laughs> uh, we're going to ta- we're gonna have to take that call. Are they on the what, – well, we probably ought to – somebody ought to go talk somebody, to them. Somebody ought to check what that is. Um, <laughs> but it's an interesting thing because you're a smart guy, Bryce Lamar. 
You're a you're, you're a debonair. What does that even mean? Just dapper. Does that mean I'm French? <laughs> yeah, you're French. Okay. Uh, you don't wear collared shirts, which is a problem. Hold on, hold on. But you have one. I have. That's actually what I got for Black Friday. I was like, I need a collared shirt that yeah. fits me. You'll start needing more of them if you get the JLB. Right. Actually, I'm kind of worried if I ever get a second interview. Like, what shirt am I going to wear? The same one? Well, just throw a sweater on. Mmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When in doubt, sweater, sweater it out. Um, the uh, oh, we lost the call. You had <laughs> a job up. for a minute, and then they hung up. Just um, like most of them. But <laughs> again, anxiety. This is a normal anxiety because. You know, you're at a, you're at this point of change, a junction, a junction. But you've got the skills, you've got the goods, you can deliver. You, no one can rant better than you. There are I'm, jobs. I'm the best at ranting. You're the rant. No, I'm not the best. And ruminating. So if anyone out there needs somebody to work for them that can do a rant, one eight five five chat BYU. <laughs> if you need someone with opinions who have previously got paid to express them, uh, I am your man. Yeah. If, or rumination. We have a lot of sure. ruminations from you where you just – you kind of – you think about an idea and then you share your view. So if somebody wants somebody that's opinionated, that has a view. That they aren't married to. That they're not married to and they're willing to change. And yes, very so willing to change. You. You're also – you're a researcher. You're our award-winning contributor. That's right. We didn't know this would turn into a telethon. Who knew? To get you a job. <laughs> <laughs> but the phones are lighting up, which is pretty funny. Um, this makes me feel better about myself. I hope most of them are jokes. No, I, I'm sure. I mean, two it'd be cool if it's jobs. Oh gosh, they're they're really worried. I'm sure. <laughs> but you know what? If you don't want to get a job, I mean, if you can't get a job, just get married. That'll uh, that'll eliminate all your anxiety. It would give me reason to probably stick around in college town. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, not worth. I it. wouldn't get married because you've got. A little nervousness. Look, I still have my dream of marrying a rich girl. So, you can marry more money in one wedding than you can make in a lifetime. It's very true. That's the advice I give everybody. It's it's shallow. It's pitiful. What about love? They say, Eh. forget it. Love doesn't pay the bills. Love does not pay bills. (sighs) Yeah, but then again, yeah, then you're wishing. This is what's bad about marrying money. Because if you're not going to get the money instantly, then you're always hoping someone dies. (laughs) <laughs> Someone close to your spouse has to die to get the money. Talk about anxiety. That causes That's anxiety. pretty stressful. It is. Every single dinner, someone coughs up. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, how you up. feeling? You look horrible. Oh, it's Do just, you have jaundice? You should yeah. really. But I think it might be better that you just get a job. Uh, it's probably the, yeah. You're a hard worker. You're smart. You have stick to Ah, uh, that actual quality. It's got to be a better no, that's, dedication. That's, no, that is the word. No, well, Stick no. to Stick-to-itiveness it. sounds – it kind of connects us to Americana. Uh, <laughs> so what is that even – I don't know. Uh, it just makes us feel What it good. means is I'm a patriot. You um, are an American. I – You love the country. I love fireworks. You love Cheeseburgers. And apple pie. Actually, I don't like apple pie. Let's Shh. be honest. No one needs to know that. Okay. Just say you do. I'm not a huge fan of apple pie. Well, um – I'm just saying chocolate pie – is probably better than everything else. Apple pie is cool. Yeah. Uh, chocolate pie is pretty Pumpkin good. pie has its place. Peach yeah. pie is the devil. Um, Ooh, peach I, pie? I don't mm. like that at all. We're hungry again. Uh, so we're losing you to this week. We, we'll have you till Thursday, right? Till Thursday. And then uh, w- you will leave the building. And when you walk out of the building, 
and you look back and you wipe the tear from your cheek. <laughs> well, let's be real. Considering the weather, my tear probably froze. Yeah, when you, um, when you so chip be, that I'll be, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be like peeling it off of my face. Uh, see, you shouldn't be anxious. Here's why. You used to be anxious probably doing your show, doing the bit, putting your rant together. It probably used to cause little nerves. Not anymore. So you'll overcome. I'll make it. I'll survive. Or I'll die. Then will I care? I'll be dead. Well, that's true. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. e- either or, it's a win-win. It's it's good. Um, I, all of our callers have gone. Oh, we have one caller. Do we really? Oh. Oh, Merit. um, Merit's Merit. watching the phones carefully. But uh, here's the deal. On the show today, we're not just going to talk about Bryce's job opportunities, even though that's a very we, – we hope the very best for him. We are talking today about anxiety and how it impacts a family. Um, a lot of times I've seen anxious parents create really anxious kids. And anxious kids create anxious parents, and it becomes this cycle. So on the show today, we're going to dive in deep to this concept of anxiety. Is it real? Is it a real diagnosis? What is, uh, what's really going on? Apparently, Merritt, you've been answering the phones. Of all the calls we just got, what, what, are these about his job? No, no. <laughs> Actually, it has to do with the topic of our show today. Okay. Yeah, Michelle is going to call back later. She has some questions about her daughter who has some anxiety, and she wants to okay. see what we can do. In fact, so, that is the big thing. If you yeah. have questions, one eight five five chat byu Later in the show, we're going to have an expert on the real deal, an expert on anxiety and your children, and they'll be able to give us some great ideas. So be thinking about that. And and jobs for me. Like, and again, you don't, jobs. You don't have to. No. But I mean, if you're calling in two birds, one stone. Well, yeah. Maybe you could have a job and a question. You don't have to. But, you know. But if, if you want to decrease Bryce's anxiety. You know. Either or. This is situational anxiety. Because you probably don't have anxiety otherwise. Yours is just more situational to the job thing. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Because, I mean, I only have one final during finals week. Yeah, you've got the easiest week of everybody. And it's it's open book. Yeah. So I bought the textbooks this weekend. So. So. Eh, it's your last test and it's open book. So I got this down. You just bought the books last a couple days ago. Yeah. That's good. I still have the receipts. Well, you're, oh, good. So you'll take it back Friday. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really get a whole lot of use out of them. Yeah. So. It, uh, by the way, uh, the studio overall is like a morgue. Because everyone else is stressed about finals, except you, jumping for joy I'm, with a little anxiety. It's kind of nice. It's neat. And a lot of – and by the way, major smell of potatoes in the studio as well. Could be my fault. <laughs> Potato mm. smell wafting all through the – I will admit to nothing. Well, we're here for you. Uh, Merritt has been researching anxiety. Apparently more than one person uh, – more than Bryce – is suffering from anxiety today. Oh, definitely. What are the stats on that? Well, see, here's the thing. Anxiety has kind of always been around, but within the past 30 years, more people have anxiety than ever. And that's kind of led that it's one of the most common illnesses in the U.S. and it affects about 18% of the U.S. population. Um, not only that, it costs a lot of money because and it's... Doing, you know, having it to, or, or like taking care of it? Both. So huh. um, about... $42 billion go to anxiety every year through the, really? the U.S.'s um, mental health bill. $42 billion yeah, 42 of billion. the U.S. mental health bill. So everybody paying money and the government even taking care yeah. of mental health issues. 
Forty-two billion of that is anxiety. Related. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing: more than half of that isn't necessarily for anxiety treatment, like meeting with therapists or getting medication. A lot of it's just because anxiety gives you other symptoms, so stomach mm. aches or headaches, and people will go get treated yes. for that instead of anxiety. Yes. So if you get frequent headaches, especially when you're stressed out, maybe that's something you want to look into. Maybe you have anxiety and you don't haven't really thought about it that well, way. Well, and especially before. if you get a headache the same time of day, same place, same location, <laughs> and it's always when you're pulling into your workplace. Yeah. Maybe you've got anxiety. Yeah. So overall, people with anxiety are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor. It's just, I mean, it wears you down. Yeah, yeah. totally. So that's kind of where we stand. It's do you kind think, of a big thing. Is there anything about, is is the U.S., it seems like, maybe the United States is more of an anxious country than others. Yes, they are. They are. It's because we have really high expectations. Yeah, that could be part of it. Which is frustrating. And we have no vacation time. Oh, we, yes. we actually we do, but like we don't take it, out. apparently. <laughs> no, no, no. We're yeah. too anxious to take well, we, it. We still have less than everyone else, yeah. and then we compound the problem by just not taking any of it. And you, and then you would think those people would lose jobs and you would have a job, Bryce. You'd think. But you would all, think. But no, we keep coming out with these medicines and all these things that keep people alive and <laughs> functional. Deal with it. And they keep working. Oh, Where was the good sad. old days when most people died when they were like 40? Like <laughs> That was a high turnover rate. Well, you it know, was also awful, and <laughs> you know, I, I I've never heard a lot of people are really happy that people are living longer. I mean, it's cool, yeah, yeah, whatever. But but it's costing a lot of jobs. But it's it's really inconveniencing just me, the one person, <laughs> right? So well, and the rest of the graduating class uh, of 2013. No, not them. Uh, no, they're probably fine. <laughs> they're fine. It's just you, just me. Oh well, it seemed if, positive if my for a peers, while. If my peers are any example, they. Either have things already figured out and whatever. Really? Really, yeah. I think I have a feeling you're going to end up getting a doctorate in psychology. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah. The Chinese just landed on the moon. I know. So talk about anxiety. I didn't even know they were going there. I mean, all of a sudden, (laughs) hey, we're up on the moon. Tell me that doesn't freak out the world. Like, (laughs) how did you get up there? Like, I know I I heard recently that they sent something up and that checked out, you know, an asteroid that no one had done. Like, oh, high five, Chinese space program. They're like, hey, by the way, America, we're on the moon. We're on the moon, loser. (laughs) We're going to go over and ruin all your footprints. I know, right? Right? Like, hey, could you guys grab that flag we left there? Yeah. We'd like it back. We want to put a new one on. (laughs) That's pretty. I forgot. China's on the moon. High five to China. Like, doesn't that scare you? They're on the moon. Ah. That's scary. They can check it out. We're not even on the moon anymore. Well, we've been there. Russia's been there. <laughs> no, I don't think Russia ever I went. Think there were three that went. Like Russia went in the seventies. That's right. They did. They did for a little bit. China is there now. You know, I think what they're going to find out, no one's there. <laughs> and when they find out no one's there, they're going to leave. Yes, but it's a milestone. <laughs> they did it. They figured out how to land on another. They did. A Tiny, soft landing, they're calling it. Soft landing. Because they, they, they didn't crash into a bunch of pieces. Yeah. They made good. it. They'll be able to leave, take their little rover, or whatever you call it in Chinese, <laughs> and get out of the here. Jade something, whatever. It is the Jade. The Jade? I don't know. <laughs> That's a great name. I don't know. It's not real manly. No. If you're going to name a rover, Jade. Well, we called ours Curiosity, so who are we to... <laughs> That's true. Like we should have called it like the six-wheeled yeah. laboratory. Megathor. Yeah. <laughs> the science monster yeah. or something. Like what they should have done was gone to the truck rally where they have those big trucks that crush other cars, and they should have used one of those names. Like Megadeth. Gravedigger. Gravedigger. No. <laughs> Might send the wrong message. Yeah. See, but then, you know, I think whoever owns the moon owns everything. 
<laughs> if that doesn't create anxiety, I don't know what will. This is a uh, – I, I like the top of, of anxiety because – it's. I see it. I see it in my kids. I see it. I think Facebook's messing us up. Not to be rude. Love. Love the old FB. If you're going to be rude about Facebook, uh, I encourage that. And please don't ever stop. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Maybe the, we the could IG. be the ones. Facebook, the thing we love who, to hate. Who start the you know downfall of Facebook, and then I don't have to go back there. And if I don't have <laughs> yeah. to go back there, I don't think Facebook's going away. It's, yeah. it's like The Simpsons. It's not going away. <laughs> No matter how bad you don't like you gotta it. you got to wait 26 years before. Yeah, it's not leaving. Oh, Does Facebook impact us uh, anxiety-wise? Yeah, definitely. Um, lots of people will report. Here's an interesting statistic. Um, 55% of these people in this study that I was reading about said they felt worried or uncomfortable when they couldn't reach social media at any point in the day. Really? Yeah. Like worried? Yeah, they felt worried. What? Like, whoa. <laughs> like, there's a who rover on China. That seems worrisome. On the online world, but they were worried about it. Facebook. And then not only that, most of them said that the only way they could get a break from that feeling was just to turn everything off. So like, disconnect from just everything. Completely disconnect. That was the only way you could get a break. Yeah. See, some so, of our anxieties, kind of yeah, we induce that, don't we? I wonder if this show makes anyone anxious. I know my family can't sleep because of the show. <laughs> I think to some degree my family is thinking... Is he going to embarrass us again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think they get over that because they don't really run into anyone who listens. I know. At least they don't know that it's them. Yeah. They can't tell they're Tobin. Yeah, they don't know. Do they all know that your middle name is Lamar? Uh, no. You're going to tell <laughs> us by by Thursday, I guess, what your middle name really do you is. Me, do you want me to reveal it right now? <sighs> Hold on. Let's do it okay. after the break. <laughs> after the break. That's a tease. We're going to tease it. Okay. When we come back, the award-winning journalist and psychologist, soon-to-be graduate, looking for a job, one eight five five chat byu Bryce Lamar Tobin is going to reveal his actual middle name. I love no one can see this, but he's just sitting here staring at the phone lines. He's so excited about he's it. He's waiting for a job, and we keep getting calls, but it's more, they're never about a job. Some people asking for upstairs and stuff. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah no, it's weird. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Again, we're giving you the tools, a leg up in this crazy thing called life. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about anxious families and uh, the impact that anxiety can have on your family. You know, one person has anxiety, let's say, in your family, and it spreads like a wildfire. Um, our own Bryce Lamar Tobin is joining us. Uh, Bryce has an announcement to make. Again, he's our award-winning journalist, a psychology graduate uh, this soon, whenever, winter-ish. Ish. It's like now. Yeah. As long as I don't, like, severely screw up one of my classes. That's right. Forever on the show, we have um, made up middle names for Bryce because— uh, you know, when we started the show, Bryce always talked about bacon. Do you remember that? Constantly. Um, it was a, I don't know. He was. It was an obsession that hasn't left me yet. Yeah. I hope it never does. And it won't. And so BLT, Bryce Lamar Tobin, we were thinking um, we should, his initials should be LT, BLT for bacon, lettuce. Tomato. Yeah. The classic um, sandwich. So I always called him Lamar. I made up middle names. Today, right now, in fact, 
Bryce is going to reveal what his actual middle name is, which, by the way, can also be placed on a job application if any of you have one. He's looking for a job as a graduate. Bryce, what is the middle name? James. Really? Yeah. Bryce James Tobin. That's it. That's all there is to I it. I like it. If You know what it feels like? What? Professional. Does it? It's a very professional name. That'll get you a job. I should just go by James and see what happens. Yeah. Because my dad goes James by Jim. Tobin. Yeah. You, you go by Jimmy. Jimmy? Maybe not. I don't know. So Bryce has been putting together one of his last rants. He still has a week of rants, but this is one of your last ones. And you're going to talk about what? Some of the anxieties that I have. Graduation anxieties. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. You guys want to know about anxiety? Don't you even worry. I got plenty to go around. I have graduated from college. Congratulations to me. Frankly, the only thing I had to look forward to is not having to buy textbooks and not having exams, which is cool, but now I actually have to come face-to-face with my future, and I don't like that. I've essentially been able to delay true adulthood since graduating from high school, and it's been a pretty good gig, but all good things must come to an end. Also, my job is a student position, so with my graduation happening, I have been, how do you say, invited to seek employment elsewhere. So now I get to jump into the oversaturated sea of the unemployed. Thanks to the recession, we have the worst of both worlds. Businesses aren't failing left and right, but they still aren't growing enough to be doing very much hiring. This has created a predatory job market, at least around here. It takes some practice, but you can read it in the subtext of many job postings. And it pretty much says, overqualified desperate student wanted to work a drone job. Duties include debasing oneself, losing ambition, and possibly soul if occasion merits. Payscale has the remote possibility of properly compensating, but will fire you long before you ever get to that point. Because there's more where you came from. I'm pretty anxious that I might be walking in a forest filled with bear traps, only to look down, see one of them, then shove my foot into it as my leg gets clamped. So then I think to myself, well, let's focus on jobs that use my degree. And as far as I can tell, I think I just got a degree that's really only good for getting more degrees. I mean, sure, some places only want a degree, so it's good for that. But it also means I could have just got a general ed degree, and I kind of feel like that degree only indicates that a person can successfully convert oxygen into carbon dioxide. So at the moment, my degree isn't being particularly helpful, so I feel like I shot myself in the foot when I decided to declare psychology as my major. Once I get a job, I probably won't feel this anymore, but still. So now what do I do about my future? Do I only apply to jobs around here? How far away should I search? A wider net catches more fish, but without an income, gas gets expensive pretty quick, and plane tickets are almost out of the question. I can hope that someone will do a Skype interview, but I'm not quite valuable enough to warrant something at that level of risk to a potential employer. Besides, there's dry cleaning money to keep my interview clothes looking nice. Then what happens if I get a job somewhere that's far enough that I need to move? How does one really move? How do I know where to live? Does that also mean I have to pay rent for two places as I'm emptying one and transferring into the other because I've done that before and it was really expensive and due to my lack of employment I have a feeling it'll hurt even worse this time so I hope I gave most of you a nostalgia induced panic attack because I now have an ulcer that needs my attention all right I'm out and remember don't forget to be awesome well I'm anxious now you're gonna you know crawl into the fetal position and maybe pass out for a little bit I was I I wasn't even worried about you now I'm like whoa that's a lot of decisions. Oh, yeah. That's not even all of them. You know what I like, though, that's probably healthy, is you've thought about them, and you kind of have a plan. You at least know you need a plan. You're not just sitting there wondering. And that's – I think that's the best. That's all you got, right? I think that's the purpose that anxiety serves. Yeah, to get you moving. Yeah. Or to 
then again, today we'll talk to the expert about uh, Dr. Reed Wilson is going to be joining us because maybe there's times we're feeling anxiety that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's sometimes that's useless, but mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's good to sort of imagine all the horrible possibilities yeah. so that when one of them does show up, you are not caught yeah. entirely off like, guard. What? What's that cobra doing there? Like, it's biting me? Now what do I do? <laughs> well, uh, we wish you the best of luck. All right. I mean, we're not like just throwing you out. Well, we're gonna, we'll buy, are. We're going to buy you a meal. Oh, well, you know. It's like buying you a bus pass when well, you're out of prison. I, I was thinking more like, you know, last meal, you know, oh. before you. Oh, don't think of it that stick way. Stick me on the chair. Yeah. No, it's not like that. And then push the button and send me out into the next you know what? I know, phase I know what, of my life. What would help you? Yoga. No, it will not. Okay. Well, I tried. <laughs> tried to get you to do some yoga to relax. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Reed Wilson's going to be joining us. He's the co-author of Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, Seven Ways to Stop the Worry Cycle and Raise Courageous and Independent Children. Uh, powerful, powerful guest coming up next. If you have children with anxiety and you have questions specific to them, We'd love to get your calls. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. And uh, we'll have Dr. Reed Wilson answering some of those. Also, if you have a job for Sky or for uh, Bryce Tobin, Sky's never going to get a job. But if you have a job for uh, Bryce Tobin, give us a call as well. We'll throw that information to him. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about anxious families and anxiety, how it impacts you, your children, how you parent through all of this. I mean, a lot of times you don't you don't know they've got anxiety. Then stuff's presenting itself. You're starting to notice things. Eventually, your child gets diagnosed with anxiety, and you're I, then you're supposed to know how to handle it, right? Well, it's not always the way it works. So we brought in an expert, really probably one of the greatest uh, we could bring in. His name is Dr. Reed Wilson. He's an international expert in the treatment of anxiety disorders, and he's the co-author of Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, Seven Ways to Stop the Worry Cycle and Raise Courageous and Independent Children. Uh, Dr. Wilson has served as a lead psychologist for American Airlines, their first national program on Fearful Flyer. Uh, to to give the insight and in how to handle and, and work with fearful flyers, he also serves as an expert for WebMD's anxiety and panic community, and he owns a free self help website www.anxieties.com, which serves over fifty or five hundred thousand visitors a year. Doctor Reed's uh, appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, the Katie Show, Good Morning America, CNN, and you can get more information about uh, what he does at Playing with Anxiety. Dot com. Uh, Dr. Wilson, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, thanks, Matt. Thank you, and thanks for uh, being willing to address this uh, this important topic with us and giving us some tools as parents. Um, as we get started, you know, first of all, it just seems like we don't, hmm, anxiety seems like it can be anything, uh, and, but there's got to be more to it. So first of all, what I kind of want to know is, what what is it? How do we know what's real anxiety with our children and what is just normal stressed out kid? 
Well, I mean, even real anxiety is fine for any of us to yeah. have. So every, you know, anytime I'm putting in putting myself in a situation that is unfamiliar to me that requires some kind of performance, when I feel like I don't have the skills to address the, that performance, um, when I've been traumatized in the past in some way and afraid I'm going to get hurt again, uh, lots of common times for any of us to be anxious, part of what we want to look at is, okay, when is it too much? Uh, and, and so when, with kids, it gets too much when it starts interfering with the day. And, you know, parents, when do parents call us, mental health professionals, to get help with their kids? It's going to happen during Christmas vacation because they're going to see them more and interact with them more, uh-huh. summer vacation and so forth. But also when it starts either disturbing sleep, because that's part of what will happen when kids get pretty anxious. A number of them will begin to have trouble going to sleep, waking up often having difficulty even going to bed by themselves. And the second time is when they, it starts messing with school. Hmm. Grades start plummeting, or they, they, don't, they refuse to go to school. So those are the times when parents go, okay, well, this, is, this has gotten too much for us. Yeah. And they, they try to get some help. Is it fairly common in children? I mean, like anxiety, it serves a purpose. The reason we have, I guess, that anxious response is so that we're not killed, right? So we don't we don't walk into something we shouldn't. I mean, we should have a little, like you're saying, a little bit of anxiousness, but then oh, when it gets absolutely. to these other levels. Sure. And, uh, and we really talk about that, if we distinguish anxiety as that kind of psychophysiological arousal, and then if we, we think about worry as what we're thinking in our head, it, a, a great deal of it has to do with perception. Hmm. If I perceive the challenge to be high and my skills to be low, I'm going to get worried. And it's really, in many ways, worry drives the anxiety. Okay. Now, you know, it, it, this is the most common reason parents bring their kids into mental health professionals. Probably upwards of 20% of kids are actually diagnosable. Here's the interesting thing. 65% of kids with an anxiety disorder have a parent who is also diagnosable. Okay. So, so that's interesting. That's why we've got anxious families. And, and the parents, in many ways, will drive some of the problems. Okay. What we tend to want to do for anxious kids that comes instinctually to us is wrong. Okay, okay. That, and that's what <laughs> so we really have to – that's, that's huge. And, in fact, throughout the show today, I really want to touch on that because we, we might be driving, we might be pushing and, and, and questioning and, and even adding a lot of worry and questions, huh? Well, sure. I mean, who? What parent wants their kid to be crying and upset and scared? And so, so the instinctual thing is to take away those feelings and to reassure them. And actually, we know very clearly all those types of actions work against the the child who wants to recover from an anxiety disorder, as opposed to in favor of them. So that's why we're trying to pass this on to parents, mm-hmm. trying to pass it on directly to kids as well. Interesting. It's interesting. 65% is what you're saying, roughly, of the kids that present, the children that present with anxiety have parents that also carry anxiety. Right. And so we may have one parent with an anxiety disorder and the other parent who is normal uh, or fine and doesn't have that trouble. But the interesting thing that happens in parents in families is that the parent who doesn't have the anxiety disorder gets ostracized, gets 
gets pushed aside. Okay. You know, so if, if dad's got the anxiety disorder and mom says, you know, she, she's 12, I think it's okay for her to walk the seven blocks to school. Right. And if the father says, okay, well, then it's, if she gets kidnapped, it's <laughs> on you. You understand? <laughs> and so when they start talking like that to the more healthy parent, that parent backs away and says, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and so that's when the anxiety starts dominating the family. And part of what we need to do is bring that healthy parent back into the system because they're going to bring a balance to, to the family. Yeah. That's, um, that's powerful. That shows how the systems of it start to keep us trapped in our own thinking, our own, our own system for how we handle it. Because if the healthy one leaves – then maybe the more anxious one just keeps creating systems and structures yeah, and questions. It's just not worth it yeah. for me to argue with them. And yeah. then, you know, when you start having an anxious person running the show, anxious people tend to want to know for sure how things are going to turn out. So I want to be certain this is going to work. And so that's why the only way to be certain that I don't have a problem is to not engage in the activity. So very quickly both parents and kids start backing away in order to find certainty and to find comfort. And that's, that's the battle that we have, is that it's almost this drive to be sure everything's going to go okay and to calm down and be relaxed. And you're not, you're not going to get where you need to get to if you must be calm while you do it. You and I and all, all of us as adults know that if you're going to learn anything new, any new skill, you, you have to be awkward, clumsy, mm-hmm. insecure, unsure until you get your sea legs under you, and then, then you start being more competent. And anxiety and worry works in the opposite direction. It says, back away, back away. Oh, that's so interesting. And I and always... It works. Yeah. They get comfortable then. It yeah. works. Right. But that's the thing, huh? Is they, but they don't want to risk the, the, that, those moments of discomfort and feeling you know, awkward and incompetent, so they don't ever risk it, and then they never right. do you get anywhere. Of, you, know, you think of the, the socially anxious little uh, fourth-grade girl in the classroom, I'm afraid I'm going to say something that will embarrass me or get me kicked out of the tribe, get me, you know, I won't be in the clique and so forth. Right. So, so what I'm going to do is not say anything for fear I'm going to say something wrong. Hmm. Well, as soon as she's quiet, then, you know, what they think of a fourth grade girl who's quiet, she's a snob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they get misinterpreted. Yeah. My strategy to take care of myself ends up hurting me in yeah. the long run. Isn't that interesting? And then it seems like, and I hear this a lot, that depression and anxiety are kind of twin sisters. You know, they... Is that true? I mean, it seems like if you're not if you're not accomplishing, here's what we know from the research: anxiety disorders precede depression. So having an anxiety disorder sets the child up to have depression later. Sets them up to do poor in school. They're they more likely to be uh, involved in drug use and so forth. I mean, if you think a little bit about a kid who is, you know, has obsessive compulsive disorder and I, I can't see the numbers, they can't hear the number seven or, or they get preoccupied with, with some worries like that, it's very difficult to concentrate. Mm. And so sometimes anxious kids get diagnosed as ADHD. They seem scattered 
and they're not focused. Well, when I'm up in my head with half of my consciousness, then it's going to be hard for me to be concentrating, hearing what the question is from the teacher, right. making sure I'm saying the right answer and so forth. And, wow. and the other piece that goes along with that is perfectionism. Anxiety and worry says do it right. You've got to do it right. That's, that's one side of the sword. And the other side of the sword is, and if you do it wrong, there'll be dire consequences. So, so I've got to be perfect, and if I'm not perfect, something terrible is going to happen. That's a terrible amount of pressure yeah. on kids. How do you – and you can't – it seems like you can't talk somebody with an anxiety disorder out of it. I mean as a parent, right? So I mean cognitively they have to get in and start questioning, I guess, their thinking. We just can't keep sure. saying, oh, grow up. That's silly. You, you can't yeah, talk them out of they it. They say to us adults, you know, relax. And, yeah. and you know, the, the mistake that we make is we're saying to kids, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Look, Dad's checked under the bed. There's no monster in the bed. Dad's checked in the, in the closet. There's nothing there. You don't need to be scared. We need to be saying the opposite of that. We need to be saying not you're wrong to be scared, but you're right to be scared. Hmm. You're right to be scared. You're thinking you know, fill in the blank, whatever they're thinking. You know, the, the primary thing that, that worry says is blah, 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 and you can't handle it. That's right. what the child's hearing in their head. Yeah. And so when you're thinking in that way, it makes sense that you're scared. And that's, that's really the first step for parents is to start to understand kids. Reassurance, like you were saying, Matt, reassurance has a half-life of 20 minutes. You know, right. It may, may help them for a bit, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you know, you're going to spend the night out with your girlfriend, that'll be fine. If you need me, call me in the middle of the night. I'll come pick you up. Well, as soon as you start reassuring them, there's another question. What if your cell phone dies? What if, you know... <laughs> On and on and on. And so we've got to get away from all the specifics of a particular fear and kind of go up one level of abstraction and talk about what does worry say to us and how do we start to talk back to that kind of inner voice. Reassurance is a wonderful thing, but it's got to be internal. It can't come. You know, we can't be taking the hurdles down from for the kid. We got to help them jump over the hurdle and we're not doing that. Okay. They get anxious and it's understandable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, this is um this is huge. This is important. I want to do this. Uh, we're talking again with Dr. Reed Wilson, who is the author of a brand new book or a new book out uh, he was a co-author of the book Anxious Kids Anxious Parents. And um, I'd like to take a break right now. We have um, doctor, uh, we have somebody on the phone, a, 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 just a caller named Michelle, who's got some questions about her child and their anxiety. So I want to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, and Dr. Wilson, Reed Wilson's going to check that out again. Go to his website, playingwithanxiety.com, or another website he's got is www.anxieties.com. And uh, you can start getting some wonderful tools and resources there. We're understanding anxiety and how it impacts our children, our families. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're on the phone right now with Dr. Reed Wilson, international expert in the treatment of anxiety disorders. He's the co-author of Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, Seven Ways to Stop the Worry Cycle and Raise Courageous and Independent Children. He's, he really has an incredible uh, website. If you go to www.anxieties.com, awesome tool uh, there to, to give you everything you need, um, blogs, get treatment, how to get trained, information about uh, anxiety, every way you can imagine. He has another website, playingwithanxiety.com. Uh, he's been on every show in the world. Now he can say he's been on the Matt Townsend show, which will then, I'm sure, reduce all of Yay. his anxiety. Uh, Dr. Wilson, thanks again for coming back. On the phone, we have a guest uh, or a, a caller named Michelle who called us in the minute she heard about what we were talking about and had a question for her about her child and anxiety. So, Michelle, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? You bet. I totally can. So uh, what's what's your question for Dr. Wilson? Uh, Dr. Wilson, I am, well, I have been very anxious to talk about this. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Since we're on this subject. And um, as I've been listening, I realize I, I actually am the non-anxious parent, and my child lives with me. It's my daughter. She's nine years old. And um, her father and I divorced maybe when she was four, about five years ago, and I'm sure that didn't help her anxiety. But just so you know the background, I'm a yeah. single mom, and she's nine, and she's the middle child. Um can, can I can I give examples for anxiety? Can I vent for a moment? Yep. Maybe other yeah. moms out there can relate to what I deal with. You bet. Anyone else who's listening? So I'll tell you what. I'm so relaxed, and this just whatever, easygoing personality, and the only thing that creates my anxiety in life and sometimes infuriates me is my child's anxiety because I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I just have no idea. She, it starts first thing in the morning, and it's every day, all day long, till bedtime. First thing in the morning, for years now, almost every day, she'll wake up and just cry. Like, the alarm will go off, and she has an hour before school, and she starts crying, we're going to be late! We're going to be late! And she's stressed out, we're going to be late, and I'm like, we have a freaking hour. And then it's, oh my gosh, is my homework perfect? She's the top student in her whole school. She's two grades above um, everyone else in her class. I mean, she's the smartest. It's ridiculous. And she is an absolute perfectionist. And so it doesn't have to just be perfect. It has to be on time and amazing. And I, do, I, I don't know how to handle it. And her hair, if her hair isn't perfect, she's nine. Oh, boy. And, and, I, and everything is a battle. Um, if whatever it is, if we're doing something together as a family, if it didn't go perfectly or it just this is the worst day ever, and I wouldn't worry if it was like once a week. But this is all day, every day, starting in the morning with crying, after school, like complaining that something happened that wasn't perfect. She's so worried about everything. And I don't understand because my other two children are chilled and relaxed. I raise them all the same. I, I, I wonder if it's a personality thing or from her dad. Her dad's side of the family definitely has anxiety. I do too, but not so much as he does. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. No. When she freaks out and, and cries and says, we're late for school, it, 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 it gets me because I'm like, I've been dealing with this for years. And I'm like, we have a freaking hour and it makes me mad. My first reaction is like, no, we are not going to be late. Stop. You do this every morning. And I don't want to do that because if I get mad, she's even more scared. And she starts screaming like I'm about to murder her. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what? All I did was just. I can't get upset, or she just... Okay, we got enough. Michelle. There you go, Hold Dr. On. Wilson. Plus, <laughs> plus, by the way, notice. And notice, it is it is seriously... It's impacting mom, and yeah. it's impacting the daughter. Now, yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm laughing. 
Michelle, only because it's so it's so typical of what exactly what we're talking about. In part, uh, and I totally get how frustrated you are, and I think we're already hearing what Michelle tends to do is that she tries to reassure her daughter. Everything is going to be, you know, she's working. You you have to get off the content of the worry. You have to get off of it's about being late, it's about my grades, it's about my hair, and you have to go up one level of abstraction. The very first thing that I am, would encourage you and anyone to do is to externalize that worry voice in your daughter. Take it outside of her and label it as there's worry talking. Hmm. So now we've got your daughter, and then we have worry, and we want to understand worry. This is when worry shows up. Worry is controlling you right now. Let's learn how to respond to worry, because, again, you're saying to your daughter, you shouldn't be worried about this, and, and it's, it's obviously not working. So we want to externalize worry. And, and, of course, your daughter has to buy into this. And that's why if you go to playingwithanxiety.com, we, we have a free ebook for your daughter to, and you to read. So it doesn't, you don't have to buy anything at all. It's, it's a big uh, book in terms of 45,000 words, but it'll, it'll explain all these concepts step by step to her seven different principles. It's written through the voice of a 14-year-old girl. That's how we did it. Perfect. So your daughter can re- relate to it, and you'll be able to relate to it, too. But the very first thing is you've got to get off this topic and set up with your daughter a way to communicate, to go, oh, you know, so that both she and you agree that there's worry talking again. Now, that's not an easy sell. That's why we we're giving away this book for kids so that they will buy into it themselves. That's the beginning, and then you've got to be able to ha- help her learn to respond, and you can respond, and, you know, one is just acknowledge, oh, there's my worry, of course. It's, it's first thing in the morning. Yeah. This is what worry always shows up, and let me just say, I'll, you know, let you respond if you want, but the, the last thing is worry comes on as such a monster, but when you pay attention to it, it says the same darn things Every day, it's, all day long. It's kind of boring, no really. Surprise <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in what you know, and so for us to begin to help your daughter say, like Matt just said, oh well, this is kind of oh that you again. Yeah, that's what you're saying. I'm going to be late for school. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Isn't that what you said yesterday? That's all you so, got, worry. That's all you got. Yeah. So you, there's ways to begin. I, you know, I could go on for yeah. seven hours, but Matt's not going to let me about <laughs> this. But at least get you on on firm ground about you got to get you got to get into this place of dissociating, separating her from worry, and accept that that voice is there. Worry's not going away. You not don't work on getting rid of worry. Very bad strategy. Worry is going to show up. Your daughter has an anxiety disorder. She's going to worry. Now what? That's where we want to focus. I love that, uh, Michelle. What do you Could think? You medication. Well, I I love what you're saying to separate it out and kind of step back and and put worry in its place. And I'm excited to read your, the free ebook. Thank you so much. I'm excited because I've had no help. Yeah. On this, and I didn't want to Absolutely. Turn, so thank you. Is this biological? Why did it happen? My other two children are fine. Was it the divorce? 
should she be on medication or is nine years old too young or should I, or can she be talked through it uh, without meds? Well, you know, there's, there, we, we've got skills now to pass on to your daughter. And until, you know, she runs into a brick wall trying to understand the skills and applying them, you know, let's first fail there if you're going to fail. But there's really things for your daughter to do. But nine years old is pretty tough age to be starting uh, somebody on a medication, and I certainly wouldn't recommend that as your, your first-line defense of all this. We, we have something that is called temperament, and 10% of children are born with this behavioral inhibition. This is what, you know, the, the, the fear of looking in the eyes of the alpha male, the subservient behavior and so forth. So these kids as infants and toddlers are more sensitive to loud sounds. You have difficulty introducing new toys to them. They don't like new faces. They're startled easier. And all those kids have that kind of temperament that make them more susceptible to anxiety disorders. There's no anxiety gene. There's just risk factors. And another risk factor is the parents and how parents have you know, how parents model behavior for kids and so forth. But I would tend to look at it as a kind of genetic predisposition because that's the easiest thing. Let, you know, if it's, if it's nature, you know, if it's genes, it's you and your husband, Mom. And if it's nurture, you know, what you do with her, it's you and your husband. So let's just all take a deep breath and get over that one. Yeah. And let's start looking at how to help her get better. I love it. Uh, um we're going to have to let you go, Michelle. Uh, does that help? Thank you. Can you tell me the website one more time where I can get the ebook? Yes, playingwithanxiety.com. Playingwithanxiety.com. Playingwithanxiety. And that's all. It's a, it's you, a kid's book. And just download it for free. Thank you, Michelle, too, for calling. I really love the Thanks, idea because if you keep chasing, I call it the smoke. If you keep chasing the smoke, which is what they talk about because of their anxiety, you end up just creating more worry, right? right. I mean, you just... And you can't accommodate right. there enough. Yeah. You've got, you know, one of the things we say to parents is, you know, here's where to start. Look around at your, how, what you do for your children and find three things that you're doing for them now that they can do for themselves and stop doing it. It's, you know, it's the beginning of backing away from and accommodating. Because the other thing that's going to happen in Michelle's family is that the other two kids are going to feel resentful. Well, yeah. Because the anxious kid gets the most attention. Sure. So maybe we need to start throwing it. Well, with the others. Yeah. Man, love it. Uh, Dr. Reed Wilson is who we're talking to right now. The author, co-author of Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. Go to his website. Uh, We're going to come back and and get into more tools, more solutions after this break. Go to the website, playingwithanxiety.com, and check out uh, that ebook. Awesome ebook written for kids um, to help them start to get this. This is the Matt Townsend Show, giving you the tools to uh, make it through this crazy thing we call life. We'll be right back, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. 
your life coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to uh, to help you through this crazy thing we call life. You know, we didn't come with a handbook, but some of us did come with a little bit of an anxiety issue, and uh, all of us come with some worries. Our great guest today, Dr. Reed Wilson, is joining us. He's an international expert in the treatment of anxiety disorders and the co-author of Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, Seven Ways to Stop the Worry and Raise Courageous and Independent Children. He uh, He's done it all. He's the expert on WebMD's website on anxiety and panic in that community there. He also has served as a lead psychologist for American Airlines' first national program for the Fearful Flyer. He also owns a free self-help website. Go check it out, www.anxieties.com. It serves over 500,000 visitors a year. And uh, the the man has appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Talk about nerves. And the Katie Show and Good Morning America, CNN. He also just referred us to another website where you can get a guide for your teens and kids uh, who might be suffering with some anxiety and anxiety disorders, uh, go to playingwithanxiety.com. Again, uh, wonderful, wonderful resources there. Dr. Reed Wilson, thanks again for joining us. Oh, glad to be here, man. I love the work you're doing, and I also love how simple you're making it. Um, because, again, I think we most of us don't know what it is. We just know it's anxiety, and we it's like we need to know, okay, who who caused this? It's obviously my spouse's family, um, but, but I guess in the end, what really matters is let's just get to some solutions. And maybe the first solution is we don't always need to medicate. Let's, I mean, we eventually can. Let's just, but let's start with the, the easier solutions, the things that, that really matter. I think one of the most important things I've learned so far is don't take the bait on whatever their initial complaint is about. Um, there's probably a deeper issue, like the worry, than there is about the hair that the nine-year-old can't get done. or, or the Which includes don't answer the question. Mm. Don't answer the question. You know, Mom, are you going to show up at, at 3.30, uh, you know, to get me to practice? Don't answer the question. Because if it's a worried kid, you start going, well, wait a minute, that sounds like you're worried talking. Interesting. You know, what, what, how do you want to respond to that answer? So, you, you know, the, we, how, you want to ask how questions, not why questions. You know, why did you do, why did you leave your, your bike out overnight and have it rain and now you're going to get the chain all rusty? You say, well, now that the chain is rusty, yeah. how do you want to fix that? So we, we do want to hold our tongue sometimes, and the, and the questions that our children ask when they're anxious are very seductive. They're oh, yeah. scared. They want answers, so they're, we're, we're set up, you know, and that's, that's what you were saying, too. You just got to not take the bait. Well, I love that. Uh, I mean, it sounds so counterintuitive. They're asking a question that shows their anxiety and their worry, and you think as a parent, oh, let me just take care of that. Let me just pat that down. Oh, mommy will be there. Of course, mommy will be there, sweetie. When has mommy never showed up for your to pick you up after school? But you're but you're saying you're kind of feeding the monster there, aren't you? Exactly. You got it. I love it. Okay, so what are some more solutions we should be we should be looking at, especially as parents? I mean, you can see how parents really could be exacerbating this condition. We could be so making it worse simply by our own worries or our own perfectionism or our own embarrassment because the kid's not performing. Yeah, I, you know, and part of it is be careful how we're talking because you, you, you watch out for talking in catastrophic terms. You know, the, 
the the average parent may say, don't you know, don't climb too high in that tree; it may fall down and break your arm. Anxious parents are more likely to say, don't don't climb up in that tree; you may fall down and break your neck. You'll die. You're going to end up breaking right. your severing your spinal cord and yeah. end up in diapers. Is that yeah. what you want? You want to be in a wheelchair so, your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to be careful around how you talk about yeah. these things. And, and, and we need to let our kids make mistakes. Mm. They, they have to make mistakes in order to learn. And so one of the main principles that we talk about after externalizing worry and, and naming it and expecting it to show up and knowing how to talk about it is that you want to go forward into the threat. We want to purposely, voluntarily choose to become uncertain and uncomfortable. That's how you take your life back, because worry requires you to feel uncertain and back up. Mm. And so we want to take ownership to say, oh, wait, I'm, I'm going to go do this I'm going to speak up at the cafeteria, sitting at that group, even though I might end up being judged. I'm going to go ahead and give my talk in class, even though I may make mistakes and get a bad grade or, or made fun of. That, that's a, a major task of helping kids understand if you're feeling unsure and un, uncomfortable, you're on the right track yeah. to learn. That's how you learn. Isn't so it's that... a new principle. It's a new, you know, <laughs> mindset. It's a new orientation to life. And and you're letting them discover it, which is why you want more questions, right? You don't want. I mean, you can try to sit there and say, "Look, you know, if you go there, you can give them the answer." But you want to instead let them figure. So, if you are worried about being late, let's say we ended up and we did show up late for school. What or how would you go about handling that? Right. How would that exactly? You know, what what are we going to do, Mom? If we well, how? What do you think? Yeah. Right. So, but there are principles we can you know convey to them. When when you avoid your anxiety tends to get stronger. When you go toward your fears, your anxiety tends to get weaker. But as you start going toward your fears, your anxiety probably will go up mm-hmm. instead of down because. When you go forward, you're removing the defense of avoidance. When I pull down one of my defenses, I'm going to feel more vulnerable. So initially, as we do this, we probably will be more anxious. And then, you know, you follow that with going, you can handle being anxious. You can manage that. Do you? It sounds like what you're 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 saying. Let's go. We're going to move forward. Let's go forward with the idea. Do you ever go back? Is there a valuable way to go back and say, "Honey, when was the last time I didn't pick you up?" Well, again, there you go with reassurance about a topic. Okay. And you'll you'll never get there. It's like somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder thinks they have germs on their mm-hmm. hands. You know, they'll wash and wash and mm-hmm. wash, and then you'll say, "Look, you've washed enough." But then it, you know, five minutes later, they will feel contaminated again. Yeah. So five minutes later, the child, you know, the you answer a question, and it will be followed by another question. Yeah. So which means you're not so getting so that. you just got to get off the topic of it. When's the last time I was late? Well, yeah, but that means you're due to be late. Yeah. You know, what if there's a traffic jam? Well, now Susan's mother's going to be there, and 
just go up to her and she'll help you. Yeah, but what if she, you know, it just goes mm-hmm. on and on. So, so you've got to be careful about that. Yeah, and I guess that's why you'd want to bring in the less anxious parent because maybe the less anxious parent might more easily take it the right direction. Right. They'll have a, they understand frustration tolerance. They they are they understand that perfection is uh, not helpful. You know, it's interesting my co-author Lynn was saying to one uh, parent, you know, we don't maybe we need perfection in in our brain surgeon when they're doing surgery right. on us, but in other times we don't. The woman she was talking to said, "I'm a brain surgeon." Oops. And she said, you know, we have this expression. I can't remember what the expression was, but, but perfection is dangerous in brain surgery because you don't want to keep the brain open very long oh, yeah. while you're doing your, your work because it's open to infection. So even in brain surgery, <laughs> yeah. perfection is against us. We're, uh-huh. We can't. And that's part of what happens. You know, I work a lot with people who are f- afraid to fly and and you know you you're not going to convince somebody that there's zero probability of something going wrong on the plane but there is little probability and most of us can tolerate that and a certain percentage of us cannot Mm -hmm. and so i've got to act as though it's safe enough yeah because i can't believe it's safe i can't go by my feelings or my beliefs I'm going to have to go by a principle of I'm going to, you know, I'm vulnerable to feeling it's unsafe, and I'm going to bring that vulnerability along with me, and I'm going to ask, what would I do if I believed it was safe enough? Well, I'd get on that plane, and I would take it, and I would soothe myself when I became anxious and mm-hmm. so forth. What do you think it is? It seems like um, a lot of the parents end up getting very frustrated, like – Almost oh, yeah. disgusted by the weakness. And it, it, I, I can't help but think when that goes off, what is the person with anxiety thinking? Like, I disgust my parents? I'm, I frustrate yeah. and them? And, of course, that's, you know, that's going to get us nowhere. But it's, yeah. there's an interesting little trick that parents can do because, as Michelle was saying, it's a very frustrating situation yeah. when everything slows down and, and everything gets behind because of the anxious child but but if you can externalize worry you know you can bring your child over and put your arm around them and say look let's take worry out of you we'll put it in front of you listen worry i'm sick and tired of you bossing around yeah julie and i was going to have coffee with my friend and now i've got a you're telling me i have to be with her during the birthday party and i'm just sick and tired of that you know and so you can actually take it out on worry parent tantrum talking to worry over there while you're holding your child in your arm yeah you know maybe your child will say mom you're squeezing a little too tight (laughs) right now but um it's just a way to get it out because it's terribly frustrating when kids won't listen and get yeah. stubborn. That's a little why we are doing the kids' book, is to try to get the kids on board with another kid who says, I've been through this, this is what it's like, instead of a... It's, it's difficult to be an anxious parent and try to teach anti-anxiety skills to the child. Yeah, right. It's just difficult. It's not... Right? It's, it's, it's so like... In the parenting book, we're trying to teach the parents how to look at themselves a little bit and make some changes inside themselves Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, you can feel whatever you want to feel about being afraid of the risk that your child is about to take. But on your face, 
you know, we psychologists would call that flat affect. You just don't yeah. show it on your face to your child. Put a nice little smile on there, even though you're terrified inside yourself. What What do you do if they've kind of reached that point of also depression because of their lack of performance, their lack of moving, on, and their fears starting to overcome and their worries overcoming? If they get depressed, then it seems even more complicated. Is that the same philosophy? Oh, well, it, it absolutely doubles the problem. And the most likely next problem somebody with anxiety is going to have is depression. And the problem with depression is, you know, you know the cognitive triad, one of the, the positions is tomorrow's going to be just like yesterday. Why bother? So it really kills motivation. Yeah. And, and so we, we do have to keep track of that, and you're going to have to take some smaller steps. But, you know, the term we talk about is self-efficacy. My actions count. If we can start helping the child take small steps that they end up seeing they can be successful at, it's a way of building, uh, you know, broadening and building those skills instead of, we certainly, you know, we don't, in, in, the, in the parenting book, we don't even start talking about how to address the specific problem until the end of the book, yeah. because we're working on other things to warm the child up. And so a lot of the things we do in the book is, is that, is to develop a sense of self-efficacy and, and education and understanding. So, and also the, the other big thing is to have some kind of want. You, hmm. you need, the child needs to have some motivation about, I, I want this out here in my future. I want to be able to go to Boy Scout camp this summer. I yeah. want to be able to spend the night with Judith you know, sometime, but I feel like I can't. I want to fly to my cousin's wedding. Uh, you know, so we have to find a want that's bigger than the fear a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I, if you've got a, a kid who's not practicing the guitar every night, although he's taking his lessons, and then he goes to a bar mitzvah and sees his cousin, 16-year-old, playing in a, in a band, and they play five songs at the bar mitzvah, and all the little girls are standing Loving around him. the stage. Yeah. All of a sudden, he goes, oh, my, hey. wow, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. He talks to his cousin, and his cousin says, oh, yeah, I practice about a half hour every day all through elementary school. Now, all of a sudden, we've got to want to. Yeah. I want that, and then I'm more willing to practice guitar um, than going, oh, I can't have supper until I've done my half hour. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing around facing some of these fearful situations. We've got to have a good want to. Yeah. Does uh, it, is there a, is there a proactive solution that we could do when they're not feeling anxiety? Is there something we could also be doing when the anxiety's kind of off and they're safe at home that would be something that makes them recognize like kind of more an appreciative approach to figuring out what's working or a brief therapy or a solution based approach of what's working today that made you feel less worried. Or does well, that does that conjure up possible? But we can also be just working in general around the principles because one of the things is, is that kids become really rigid. And when I have this perfectionistic standard, we talk about having a you know a piece of uncooked spaghetti. That's our rigidity, and, <laughs> yeah. and it, it snaps very quickly. So sometimes we have families create a wall of flexibility, and so that what that means is any time anybody in the family comes home and reports how they we're flexible in a particular problem, we put that on a little sticky note and it goes Great. up on that wall or on yeah. the refrigerator. So we start collecting 
data, you know, data and even even give rewards out as whoever has the most you know stickies at the end of the month around flexibility we talk about that at dinner with the family what did we you know oh, oh yeah i ran into the the detour today and i thought i was going to be standing forever before i could get to work and then i was able to just relax and say you know even if i'm a half hour late i'll be able to stay a half hour and make up for it and so yeah. there's an example of flexibility that the parent does so so we can start having some of these principles being built into the family system because you get outside the family as that you I know you've talked about on your show which yeah. is there's so much pressure to perform how am I going to get this job when I finish college how am I going to get into the best college unless you know I everybody's trying to be the captain of the team everybody's right. trying to be president of the club uh, in order to get on their resume and, and on their, their credits when they apply for college so when when outside system is putting so much pressure, we need to create a culture inside our family that goes, wait a minute, you know, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. I love that. Hey, we're talking with Dr. Reed Wilson. As we wrap it up, uh, Dr. Wilson, um, what would you say is is the one thing? So, and and I I would say for sure, if you have a child, even probably to the age of eighteen, nineteen. I would get to the website um, playingwithanxiety.com, get that book. I'd also just personally pick up the the Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents book. Um, but what would you say is the one thing parents with children that are having the worries, suffering through some anxiety or disorders, what should we be doing? What's the one thing that you sense makes the biggest difference? Well, I, I will have to go back to what we've talked about before. That's the, great. The biggest the, the biggest leverage you will get is to get off the topic of their fear and to be able to introduce the idea of the worry voice inside the child and uh, identify it, expect it to show up. Of course you're going to worry when, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you know, then when you have had a problem in the past or whatever, and, and begin to label it in that way. And, and get us up at that level of abstraction and, and withhold answering those very poignant and, and urgent questions about the topic itself and slow it. down yeah. and begin to get that orientation. I think that, you know, it's the first step, but I think it's a giant step. Yeah. Everything gets built from there. If you don't do that, the work is very difficult because the child's you know, taking full ownership in the worry instead yeah. of separating themselves. So that's the biggest thing Love I it. would start with. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. We're, we, I, we have to have you back because this doesn't end. We're, we're going to bring you back and, and have you help us with other tools around anxiety. Again, go check out the website, playingwithanxiety.com, and another one of Dr. Uh, Wilson's, uh, www.anxieties.com. Wonderful resources with dealing with this. Get the books, especially Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, Seven Ways to Stop the Worry Cycle and Raise Courageous and Independent Children. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back talking about vulnerability Um, when we come back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about anxious families, wonderful guest uh, with uh, helping us overcome some of these basic issues. Dr. Reed Wilson, uh, wonderful guest. Now, here's the best guest of all, executive producer of the show. Our own Merritt Meekham has been doing research on vulnerability. Yeah, vulnerability. Bryce is feeling vulnerable. Yes, he is. He's feeling emotionally exposed. I feel like a gazelle that has had his entrails ripped out. A gutless gazelle. I feel like I'm just dragging him in the grass. And I'm just like, <laughs> please don't. Please don't eat me. We've done enough damage. Yeah, but you're leaving a blood trail. Someone's going to get you. Wow. That was vulnerable. That was vulnerable. So talk about vulnerability because it seems kind of connected to anxiety. Yeah, it was something that I actually hadn't really thought about before until I was talking with a friend this summer and I was telling her um, how stressed I can get about my major. I'm a film major and so I have to make short films for most of my projects. And I was just telling her, I'm like, why did I choose this? I don't know what I'm doing. This is too much of a risk for me. You know, she's like, you need to go watch this TED Talk and learn how to be vulnerable. Which I thought was kind of sassy, but yeah. it's pretty good advice. So. Did you tell her to be quiet? Um, no, no. Okay. I'm I'm more gracious than that in real life. So uh, what did you learn? So what I learned, so Brene Brown is yeah. an author and psychologist who's kind of the head of the vulnerability movement, World. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so she defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So it's kind of any time where you're just – Laying out your imperfections in front of somebody where you have a chance to make a mistake or to do something wrong right. or to, you know, uh, be the person who's emotional in the situation. Be real. Yeah, which isn't exactly – I mean, we all kind of aspire to being like, I don't know, kind of in the soundbite world. All we see, like, all we see of Jennifer Lawrence is her being funny. Like, yeah. Always. Right. And so if you're, you know, if you're watching that, you're like, I want to be Jennifer Lawrence. You don't see any of her imperfections or kind of weird things. It's just that she's funny. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that we don't really. But it's not real. Then you have to keep that facade up. Yeah. And we see the when we see flaws on television, it's like news and some senator who did something awful. Well, how many times have we looked at a star and been like, what? Yeah. What is that? And then everybody like shoots them down. Mm -hmm. So it's this culture that we live in. It's not very accepting of Mm -hmm. vulnerability. But um, I really love what Brene Brown says about a person who is vulnerable. She says they have the courage to be imperfect. They had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others. Because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly. She says um, they're the people who can say I love you first in a relationship. They're the people who are you know, are okay with the fact that they, you know, cried in the doctor's office when they heard bad news. They're okay with the fact that they, um, were doing things that may not turn out. They may have been working a dead end job, maybe something that they thought was going to turn out, or maybe they tried a new recipe and it, you know, they They, burnt it. It's just, (laughs) and it failed and they can laugh about it. Or they're the ones, I guess, that are apologizing when they blow it. Yeah, exactly. And recognizing, I believe yeah. that. I mean, we all know those people who apologize yeah. for like every little thing you yeah. do. I got onto my roommate the other day. She's one of those people. She just apologizes all the time. Oh, I hate those things. You know, and she just feels bad because yeah. she does something wrong. But it's like not even wrong. It's just normal human things. <laughs> like forgetting something. Sorry for anyway, being human. But she was super exhausted the other day and she uh, bumped a bowl on the table. She said, I'm sorry. And I just laughed at her for about 15 minutes straight. I was like, do you realize what you just did? Yeah. Obviously, you need to be more okay with the fact yeah. that you 
don't do things perfectly every single time. So, yeah, so that's just little things you can do to, you know, accept vulnerability is just to. What's, does she have a book? What's the book? Is it specifically um, about vulnerability? She has, she has a few books. One is called uh, The Gifts of Imperfection. Yeah. And then she has another one called Daring Greatly. And they're both very inspiring. So I'd suggest that people go look that up. Or you can just go on to um, TED Talk, TED TED.com. And there's a TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. And she talks about the concept there. But yeah, just to practice being kind to yourself when you make a mistake yeah. and being more open about the fact that you're imperfect because everyone is. So why would you try to hide it? Let's do that. for That's a homework assignment. Everybody gather your family around and start. Everybody own where you're, where you're kind of messing up. <laughs> you can't tell anyone else where they're messing up. Just say, you know, I really struggle with this. And you can't comment. Everyone has to just smile. Yep. Say thank you. <laughs> what else are you struggling with? <laughs> that's a great idea. Vulnerability. By the way, I believe it's a key risk. I believe it's a key to intimacy, to closeness. If you want better relationships, you got to be able to be vulnerable. Come on. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Mark Waite uh, from BYU Broadcasting, our sister company, Classical 89, will be joining us. It's always fun to see what Mark Waite's got in store for us, what his thoughts are about vulnerability and anxiety. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. to the Matt Townsend Show. Today's the day we've been talking about anxious families. A little bit of vulnerability in the last segment is what we got into. Now we're bringing on the great um, parenting expert. See, one of our parenting <laughs> experts is, uh, we call her the child whisperer. Um, we need to make I'm a name for you. the child screamer. You're the child screamer. But this is Mark Waite. Mark Waite, through the garage door, he's one of the hosts of that radio show here on BYU Radio with our own Don Shaline, which is, he's, he's our boss. He's my boss. He belongs to us. He's our he's, own. He's one of us. He's the healthy one of us. <laughs> and um, then you also are on Classical 89. Correct. As well. Highly cultured, very dignified. <laughs> He drives a uh, lime green. Gotta have it green is the technical name. Gotta have it green Mustang. Mustang Boss 302. That's right. It's not a regular Mustang. No. It is, it is the Mustang. It is the Mustang of all Mustangs. Sporting the gotta have it green uh, 302. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. Parenting. Anxious kids. Apparently, um, children... We're, we're coddling some of them, and we don't let them ever fail. And then some of these kids actually have anxiety, and they don't want to try anything anyway because they'll fail. Have you ever run into that where your kids were— Fell or fail? Are you from Utah? I'm sorry, fail. 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 It, I, I am from Utah, and I say fail. Um, you ever run into that where you're like, kid, look, try. You go down the slide now. Mm-hmm. How'd that, there, how'd that turn out for you? <laughs> now your child has a fear of uh-huh. slides. Uh, wow, water slide, exactly. My oldest son, Billy, and the water slide when he was probably, I don't know. You took five, him down a water six. slide at five no, and he I didn't, didn't want to go down. No, I didn't take him down. I you pushed, pushed him down. I'm, wow. not a, I'm not a leader. I'm a pusher. 
Some people are born to be leaders. Yeah. yeah. I'm behind pushing the pushing troops people. into the battle. You know, you're the one that nobody likes. <laughs> Is that what this is about, Mark? You're the now one. There's, now there's the source of all of my anxiety. Because <laughs> now, what about my anxieties? No, Forget about childhood anxieties. If you're out there pushing kids down the slide, then you're just that creepy guy that pushes kids <laughs> down the slide. There, there's a point at which, uh, I mean, and traditionally, you know, you see people throwing children into the deep end of the pool. Oh, I've never done that. That's because, how I learned to swim. Because that is potentially lethal. Yeah. Going down that you water slide, that. I know that he's not going to get hurt going down that water slide. Well, it's not the slide that'll hurt. It's coming out the and then drowning. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, oh, you know, he it's two, two feet deep. Okay. Well, it's just a, it's a slide yeah. at the bottom. There's, yeah. there's no way to drown. So he's not going to die. So he, I, I knew as his father that he was fully capable of this. I knew that he would enjoy it once he overcame that fear, and yet he was still reticent. Yes, I climbed the ladder yeah. with him. Yeah. I was up at the top with him. I'll be down right after you, Bill. Yeah, I've got you. you got to trust me on this one. This is a trust exercise. And, yes, I know you're reticent. I know it's a little bit scary, but sometimes you have to walk into that abyss yeah. and just as an adult or a child. Now, I think – Yes, and he was still reticent, and eventually I just had to say, okay, now I'm telling you, just do it. Get in the slider, I'll kill you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think it was quite that bad, but he finally did it. What was the second was, slide like? The second time no you problem. went? Was there no a second problem. time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he liked it? Yeah, yeah. So was he like, Dad, you're so right. I was so wrong. I think the greatest serv- disservice a parent can do for their child is to try to protect them from life's adventures and from – much more commonly, to protect them from the consequences of their behavior. Hmm. Now, this isn't exactly water slides, but my wife is a teacher in a high school and is a constant and growing problem in the schools that parents are trying to protect little Jimmy from the consequences of his actions or in more, yeah. more often his inaction. Yeah. And parent-teacher conferences, as we've talked about uh, in this show before, are a nightmare because there is a line of parents who are coming up and saying, look, Jimmy's failing. Why is Jimmy failing? Yeah, why are you let, letting Jimmy fail? Right. It's because he's not doing anything. You have to do the artwork to get yeah. some kind of a grade. But it's a constant irrational battle to try to protect Jimmy from the consequences of his inaction. Uh. And parents are destroying their children by protecting them from – the battles of life. Did you hear that story of the teenager who was um, basically slapped on the hand and given 10 years probation for killing Affluenza. Affluenza. Yeah. I've been in California for four days, but I saw that mentioned. So he was in an accident, ended up driving. I think he had been drinking to a bunch of them. I'm not sure. But he 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 drove through a crowd of people and ended up killing four people. And, and now um, he's not going to jail. He's go, he's he's I guess going I guess he's going to a, a, like a type of prison that's less prison and more country club. Country club yeah. But then he'll be on probation. Actually, I don't even think he's. I think he's just on probation. I thought I'm looking for it right now. The story affluenza was the defense. Well, that's not a problem I've ever had. Because the, the the father or the parents were so rich and affluent that all of a sudden this boy has no consequences. But you're saying that's kind of not just for rich people. Parents in general could be doing that. There's it's it's becoming call me reactionary, but based on my observation, it's becoming an increasing problem where parents don't want their children 
to have to ever go into their ever go out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Heaven forbid little Jimmy should ever have to leave his comfort zone. So you stay in bed, Jimmy, while I bring you Twinkies. And, uh, and Why is it always Twinkies? Well, because that is the quintessential non-food food. <laughs> it's, it's the quintessential joke food because it's a joke. Oh, but so I don't good. want hostess. I don't want hostess writing. No, but so yummy. I mean, come on. Yeah, love them. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I mean, but what about my anxieties? Yeah. Is, this, is is today's show only about children's anxieties? Yeah, pretty much. You don't. I mean, you because Ra- a- my anxieties are in raising adult children now, and we've talked about oh, them here that's too. True, huh? And I, I've I've had some stress. Are they lately. coming back? They're coming back. See, now the errors, the mistakes of earlier years are now coming back to bite you. And becoming magnified. <laughs> okay, let's hear about it. Let's well, get into yours. I I think that you know we've talked about that I'm new to this discipline of raising adult children now because as yeah. little children you're making all of their decisions, as adult children you're making none of their decisions. Well, and you can put them in their room as a kid, little kid. Right. There, there's, there's no. Uh, all you can do, all you can do is what you can do. Right. Okay. So, it, say I have this child. A theoretical this child is a hypothetical. who's causing me stress or yeah. anxiety, um, worry. Yeah. That's what I can do as a parent. Is it's all I, I can't make his decisions. No. I can't make him do the you right can, thing. You can worry. All I can do is worry. But there's a problem with that. What is it? Because worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing. Yes. Now, if worrying would actually fix this problem, it doesn't. Worry does it? away. Go for it. Yeah. Suffer their burden. Take yeah. it upon yourself through your worry. Honey, I spent three hours worrying for you last night. Yeah. Do you feel better? Is, is it all better now? <laughs> it doesn't. But fix it doesn't. It. So I, I came up with this little theory that there's there's three paths and they're all parallel to each okay. other. Okay. On the far side, on one side, is worrying, anxiety, stress, ulcers. And accomplishing nothing. Yes. On the other extreme path uh, is the self-defense mechanism where I just have to go, you know what? I just can't care about it. Yeah, that. whatever. Disconnect. I have to stop caring. Yeah. For my own uh, survival. Psyche, yeah, to save yourself. And so I just don't care what goes on. And I think you see that. Yeah. Parents who worry too much parents. or parents who just don't care. Yeah. Now, of course – Balance is always the correct Somewhere answer. in the middle. The middle path. So is, worrying enough and caring. But no worrying. See, I mean, I. Yeah, worrying, now, now but this, not worrying. This is easier said than done, but I think the perfect scenario is saying, I care completely and I will do everything I can to help solve whatever problem this is. Yeah. But I'm going to stop short of worrying because worrying accomplishes nothing but my own self-destruction. Yeah. Now, that's easier said than done. I well, mean, that's that, it, that I guess. A... How do you stop the worry? Maybe you just have to recognize, okay, now I'm worrying and there's nothing I can do. But I guess I could call. Hey, just checking in, wanted to see how you're doing. Well, maybe the worrying comes from a lifetime of trying to protect that child from consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now they're out and of And feeling control. stress when you can't protect them from mm-hmm. those consequences. And yet, if you're really going to raise successful children, you're putting them out there to stumble and skin their knee. It's sure, if you see the child's about to skin their knee, yeah. you're going to prevent hey, it. Hey, look out. You're going to die. But you can't always prevent that. Right. Sometimes they will get a scab on their knee. And that is how we learn to not fall down the next time is, wow, I hated that scab on my knee. Like, yeah. It was fun to peek under it, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want another one. Okay. So you're saying we need to we need to care. Ideally. Don't disc- well, because you don't want to. You, you're a human. Humans want to care. We don't want to be the uncaring human. Right. And not worry. 
Yeah. There's the paradox. Uh, that's that's the ideal is to learn how to be connected, involved, concerned. And, I mean, maybe that's semantics. What's the difference between concern and worry? I think there is a difference. Yeah, I think there is too. Where the worry is just – it's almost self-indulgent where I'm just going to be yeah. wringing my hands right. and losing sleep uh-huh. and uh, suffering. So you need a little bit of disconnect. You need that balance right, right between the two extremes. I love your theory. We just have to now operationalize how to not worry and still show we care. And Maybe, to, I mean, that's and it's a case by case thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the never worrying is that's just a, I think a skill that takes a lifetime sure. to maybe you but have to be pretty to well me, adjusted to never worry about that. That seems like what your God would do. He cares immensely, and I I don't know that I can believe he just sits there and worries all night about everyone on earth. I think he cares about everyone and can separate and just understand that this process is teaching everyone something. Well, God, godly sorrow is is for those who have made bad decisions. Um, and it's not for any mistakes you've made. If you know as a parent you've done all yeah. you could do, yeah. and I tried to prevent the problem, I tried to be a friend, I tried to put my arm around them, and to give them some good advice without pre- pressing it on them. Now I know that all I've done all that I can do as a good parent. Yeah. And now if there's sorrow, it's that they rejected uh-huh. my help. Yeah. Right. Well, then then I guess what you do, then you just increase love. And never give up. And never give up. And, that, and that's you know, part if, of the if, love, it's, it? if it's an yeah. ongoing time after time after time, there might start to be a temptation. It's like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. You. I'm checking out. Yeah. Get out of that's here. It. You know? That's it. And to, to continually never give up, uh, once again, easier said than done. Oh, totally. You've got to be pretty well adjusted. But to never, ever feel that internalizing, now it's my problem. Yeah. Your problem is my problem. I'm going to lose mm-hmm. sleep. I'm going to get an ulcer. Why? Why? It's not your – this isn't your game. You're if, not if, in this If one. my son makes this mistake, my only sorrow should be for him yeah. and not for – uh, it's ruining my life. No, it's oh, not yeah. ruining my life because it's not my life yeah. anymore. It's well, his it. life. That's where it Separates. seems like our ego. Where's that separation? Yeah. Know? Our ego gets involved though like because he – there is no He's separation. a piece of me. He is mine and he reflects on me. Yeah. And, and, so if, and if he's, he's messing, a failure, I'm uh, a failure. Isn't that interesting? No, you've got to let that go. But that's probably what you're worried about is not even him. You might be worried more about you're what other people stupid. Are, it, well, or the other people's judgment of me, and that's yeah. an ongoing theme with me is is my fear of other people's judgment and how crippling that is to all of us. Oh, that's huge. You you should have gone into psychology. Uh, I'm not smart enough. You just corrected my English. Um, the You wouldn't have a radio show called Through the Garage Door. <laughs> you wouldn't. If you had gone into psychology, you'd be through right. the egoic It was not my mission in mindset. life to heal people because you I, people would be constantly saying, Physi- physician, heal thyself because I'm a mess. They're like, don't listen I'm to a Mark big White. mess. He's a, he's a mess. You're not a mess. You just came a in here mess. and talked about a hypothetical scenario. Purely hypothetical because none of my children ever make bad decisions. Your children are angels. Because I've protected them from all – of life's Does your, worries and insecurities. Who's more protective, you or your wife? Oh, she is absolutely much more deferential to the children. Too, is she de- really? too deferential. She loves her children. I might not be deferential enough. Really? And like so we try to find okay. that balance. You're kind of tough. Well, yeah, I'm the one who pushed him down the water slide, right. for crying out loud. You were the she root, would, she the would not one. have done that. 
Well, she would have probably slid down with them the first time. Uh, I think maybe that wasn't allowed or something, and maybe or maybe I. Did. I mean, I was. Well, not... you wanted your own ride, is what it was. You wanted to go <laughs> fast and crazy. No, I. I you like speed. I Come still. On. I. I feel pretty good about forcing him. Ultimately, I mean, reasoning with him, yeah. being patient with him, and explaining. Now, do you really look at these people? Do, do they look like they're getting hurt? No, they're all coming down with a smile on their <laughs> face. Everybody's happy. Everybody's a winner. People still like... nervous. Still nervous. Okay, do it. I'm not. I'm not longer. I'm no longer asking. Yeah. I'm telling. Just go do it. You know, you always surprise me because you you just come in looking like you're just going to talk Mom. about cars, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you pull out a three stage model. I need what you need is a. Venn I'm developing diagram. a twelve. I'm developing a twelve step program. I, you know what? I think there is one. I'm pretty sure there. I'm going for a baker's dozen, a 13 step program. Thir- you're going to one up the twelve one step. Do <laughs> you know what step you'll add? No. Yeah, baby it's got to be st- all be donuts. Baby steps. Oh, they already have donuts. Um, well, you did it again. What are you doing for Christmas? Nothing. What do you wh- like when you think Nothing. of getting me a present? If if I thought of that, <laughs> what would it be? Yeah, like what would you get? Like me? Your very own pair of Sennheiser I know. headphones. Yeah, because they're so comfy. Mark cozy. Waits, the headphone guru, and so everyone at BYU Radio, he pretty much is in charge of. Which is the best headset? And acquisition. I have, headphone acquisition. Headphone acquisition. That and should I have be on very, my business card. I know. I, it should. Isn't it? No, it, it should be. No. But I, I'm a very picky person. I don't want my ears to be hot, and I don't want— <laughs> You and your hot ears. I, it gets You're hot. worrying way too much I don't about ear hear, temperature. I don't want to sound like I'm in a swimming pool. Do you have any anxieties? No. Headphone anxiety? No, I get headaches because yeah. they, they just push in they on make, you. They make pills for that. And obviously, then I'm have popping pills to do my show. Yeah. That's it. You're I know. Done already? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Mark, wait, right there. Now, you got to go listen to I'm his gonna show. I'm going to stop worrying about you. Well, I, I, again. I'm gonna, still going to care. But I'm, I'm gonna only going to be here till Thursday. So if you want to get me a Christmas you. present, do it now. You got to get it to me by only Thursday. Three more shopping days for me. I'm just putting that out there for everybody that's here at BYU <laughs> Broadcasting. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Uh, have fun in the. Uh, Green, what's it called? Type of green. Boss 302. But the Boss 302, but what kind of green? Must gotta have, have it. Got to have it green. Can't drive it. Too much salt on the road. That's in the garage. Warm and cozy. What does your wife drive, by the way? Mazda 2. Also bright green. Wow. I guess they all know when the weights are coming yeah. to the Christmas people, party. People, people go past my house with like their garage door, and I, I just know, I just savor the fact that they're rolling their eyes going, what an idiot. Look at those green what cars. Kind of knucklehead. But then you drive a really cars. cool truck in the winter. All black. All black. If it were made in bright green, I would have it in bright green. Really? Yeah. You need to reach out, different colors. Try no, no, something, no, no, risk no. a little bit. Specialize. I'm specializing. You're specializing. One color, that's all. Mark Waite, again, joining us, um, again, from Classical 89 and uh, through the garage door. He's the man, the myth, the legend. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back, wrapping up the show. We're going to talk about getting out of your comfort zone. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Broadcasting, Sirius XM 143. Welcome back to the wrap-up of the Matt Townsend Show. 
We're wrapping up our show on anxious families. And, uh, you know, what better way to wrap it up than to talk about ways to get out of your comfort zone? Yeah. Dr. Wilson talked about how you need to kind of put yourself out there and prove to yourself that your worry doesn't control you. So I came up with some ideas. Okay. Went to the internet. Are you going to make, and then I want you to challenge us to do one. Oh, oh. I'll throw that in there too. That's pretty good. Like, let's challenge everybody to do something that's out of their comfort zone. I challenge you to not challenge us. Do you accept my challenge? <laughs> no, I do not. Oh, well, look at you. You're letting worry control that you. Is, I, I, will, I will accept that challenge after I've challenged you. Just delaying the inevitable. Yeah. It's a delayed challenge. Okay. okay you ready for some ideas? Yes. Okay, here's one. Um, set a really, really high goal that will require you to... Make yourself disciplined and accomplish smaller things first. So, for example, running a marathon might sound super overwhelming and scary to you, but it sounds stupid to me. But I mean, that means next week you better start Uh, jogging. No, walking. Get your shoes. Okay. (laughs) Go start looking for shoes at the mall. There you go. After Christmas sale for shoes. But you know that might make you worried because you're thinking marathon. But if you make yourself do the smaller size pieces, like it. Uh huh. Um, Another one. This is one that I like to do, so it's probably not getting out of my comfort zone. Okay. To go on an adventure, explore a city or an area that you're unfamiliar with, and don't use a GPS or map system okay. from your I just, device. I just had little heart palpitations thinking about that. Well, that's really? how people die, Merritt. <laughs> no, it's not. If you, I've done it. Don't do it in L.A. You take one exit, <laughs> you and know, you're going to die. You can kind of – Victoria, Victoria agrees. It just <laughs> drops from you, L.A. Here, drops you here, right in the ocean. what you need to do <laughs> – Get on your feet. You yeah. can kind of tell because if you're going that slow, you can tell when you're getting into a sketchy area. That's okay. my advice. Victoria, um, would you ever do the, you know, no GPS, just wing it? Maybe go to Philadelphia, Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Isn't that like the most <laughs> dangerous city in the U.S.? Yeah, but just, hey, hey, get out of your comfort zone. See, when zone. she first said it, I didn't think it was that crazy because I would totally love to just explore a new place. Like Boston, that kind of sounds safe. Yeah. Boston's a lovely, safe place. Yeah, I don't know, but then when you said LA, I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, don't do I'm that. from there. Don't do that." Hey, the to- we did the very thing when we went to LA, and we went to Venice Beach with my children. To and then it was so crowded, we didn't want to get out and park a mile away to go to Venice Beach. So we drove to a park. We had no idea where we were, and we got out and had a picnic in a park near Venice Beach. Not near it, but. Miles away from it. <laughs> was it dangerous? I don't know. But in the end, I felt weird. Like, I could die. I don't know. I don't know if it was dangerous because I don't – they don't have a thing on the map that says, danger, don't go near this area. And there's certain places like in Hawaii where you can't take your rental car. They need to have maps that with your rental cars or whatever that say, don't go in this area. Your car won't be insured. Yeah. No, there's totally great parts of L.A., but you're yeah. right. You, yeah, I just – I wouldn't have known if I was in a bad place You cross the street and your life is in danger. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I like that. I, I won't do that one, but I could see someone okay, doing so that Okay. Take one. that one with a grain of salt. Let's do like just... a Green Beret. I could see a Green Beret doing that one. <laughs> if I were a Green Beret, I'd feel comfortable doing that. A SEAL. That. <laughs> if you were one of the Navy SEALs Team oh, 6, Delta you would Force. do that. Delta Force. You now might I'm really wondering what I've been doing this whole yeah. time, you know, wandering around. Yeah. You, Provo. <laughs> you could be getting killed any second. Okay. Give us another one. These are fun. Um, go to a restaurant you've never been to yes. and order something unique. So it can't like be that. like a cheeseburger, a salad, no. steak, and preferably something you can't pronounce. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime, you do that? anytime I go to like a Thai place, <laughs> I'll be like, that thing. I'll number 43. <laughs> Give it to me. 
<laughs> so like, oh, you want the? Like, then they pronounce it. I'm like, yes. That wow. what you said. What if they say, whoa, weird? No one orders that. <laughs> I had one person say like, oh, we stopped making that because no one ordered it. And I was just like, Ooh. wow, <laughs> oh, that good, huh? You yeah. saved me. <laughs> See, that's because when you that take, was a good one, though. but you learn with right? kids not to do that because you take kids and you're only going to give them what they'll eat. So, but this is you, man. Yeah, this I like is not this. your kids. I like that. Okay. I will. I like that idea. I'm okay. going to do that one this Christmas. Um, here's another idea. You could put some of your personal work online. So you could put it on a blog or on YouTube or something. Yeah. So that kind of opens it up to the World Wide Web. Public can yeah. start to look at Somebody, it. You could get a dislike on your YouTube movie page. That's kind of a big deal. Thumbs down. <laughs> I like that idea. So risk a little bit and, and risk getting some negative feedback. You want to know who does that all the time? Who? Former Matt Townsend Show executive producer Rob Sanders. The best comment he ever get got on one of his uh, videos was, this was poor in conception and even worse in execution. And you know what? <laughs> Rob just laughed it off. Yeah, I know. But that was his comment, mother. That was his mother <laughs> that, that was, said that. Oh. Which was so sad. I remember that's when the whole fight between mom and kids started. No, oh, poor Bobby. What else? Give us some more. Okay, here's another one. I really like this one. To go to a movie rental place. I don't, that could be Netflix, I guess. It's just a red <laughs> Go to a movie <laughs> rental like, place and date it. to a movie rental place recently. <laughs> yeah. Or a library and go to a section that you don't normally go in. So, for example, my dad always reads nonfiction. Really? Yeah. He reads history books. So he could wander over to the fiction section. Yeah. If you always watch horror movies, you could try well, a documentary. You They're gave me a thing. list of movies that I could try that are all I out did. of my comfort zone. Many of them, I think, have subtitles. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to read. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Using your brain. Now I'm going to read, engage my brain. Did you, did you do any of those? No, but I, here's some good news. I was going through my list of notes. I take notes on my notepad on my phone, and mm-hmm. I didn't delete them. Hey. I was this close to deleting them, but then I'm like, no, Merritt may ask to see that list. <laughs> and I really Follow want up. I want to have a chance to 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 learn and to be different. No, you to totally should. New. I'm going to. That's one of my Christmas goals is to find one of those weird movies that you suggested. You know, that the no funny one thing watches. is is that I'm remembering telling you this list and I felt like they were all quite tame. Oh, were they? Yeah, I don't even think there were like any before. So this isn't you're saying so. this isn't very risky. No. Well, for you, Matt, for you in your movie experience, it is risky. Because I'm kind of – I'm a novice. Yeah. I don't like – I had a bad experience when I was young. Going to, <laughs> you told me. Going to a fringe kind of movie. And it was traumatizing. It was called that's Quest okay. for Fire. Anyway, it's about cavemen and their quest for fire. But you know what? And no it, cavemen it, on that list. Well, but it ruined me. I, and again, I, I'm not against cavemen. Cavemen, women. Cave people. Cave people. <laughs> cave persons. I I like cave people as much as the next person. But, you know. Okay. I'm going to risk. Uh, you all are challenged officially. Everybody out there in listener land, what's one thing you can do to put yourself out there a little bit more? Deal with your own worries. Deal with your own anxiety. Deal with it. Move on. And, you know, maybe try something new. Some food. Whatever. Thanks for listening, folks. We uh, appreciate it. Uh, again, we're here to give you some tools, maybe some hope, a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. Tomorrow we'll be back. More great ideas, more tools, wonderful guests to uh, give you the tools to make it all happen. This is the Matt Townsend Show. 
Thanks again for listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143.